Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Michelle, and I will be your operator today. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to the conference. Jonathan Schaefer with VP Investor Relations, IAS. You may now start your conference. Thank you. Good afternoon, and welcome to the IAS 2022 Second Quarter Financial Results Conference Call. I'm joined today by Lisa Uchschneider, CEO, and Joe Pergola, CFO. Before we begin, please note that today's call contains forward-looking statements. We refer you to the company's filings with the SEC for more details about important risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results to differ materially from our expectations. On today's call, we will also refer to non-GAAP measures, a reconciliation of non-GAAP measures to the most directly comparable GAAP measures is contained in today's earnings release, available on the company's IR site, investors.integralads.com. All financial comparisons, unless noted otherwise, are based on the prior year period. So with these formalities out of the way, I'd now like to turn the call over to our CEO, Lisa Schneider. Lisa, you may begin. Thanks, Jonathan, and welcome everyone to our 2022 second quarter earnings call. We delivered strong revenue growth of 34% to $100.3 million with an adjusted EBITDA margin of 31%. We also achieved net income profitability for the second consecutive quarter. I am proud of our team for generating new wins in the quarter, including Red Bull, Tim Hortons, Sherwin-Williams, and WestJet. We're also excited that LinkedIn selected IES to provide global ad verification services for their paid media marketing campaigns. This marquee win came after extensive technology due diligence against the competitor. It also represents the next step in our global strategic partnership with LinkedIn and parent company Microsoft. Lastly, Seven Stars, a leading independent agency in the UK, switched from a direct competitor to IAS based on our efficiency tools and engagement plan. While we are revising our full-year outlook to reflect global macroeconomic headwinds, today's results exceeded expectations for the quarter. We continue to launch differentiated products that have accelerated our product roadmap to address marketers' evolving needs in a dynamic and fast-paced market. Our second quarter performance reflects IES's standing as a leader in digital media quality, including core ad verification measurement of viewability, fraud, and brand safety. We have also successfully broadened our scope beyond verification. We are benefiting from a sizable and increasing contribution from our pre-bid activation and post-bid measurement solutions in programmatic contextual, social media, and CTV. In programmatic context control, our contextual avoidance and targeting solution represented 45% of programmatic revenue in the second quarter and drove a 51% increase in total programmatic revenue. Context control is based on our differentiated contextual intelligence technology. Context control is available in all major DSPs and global markets in 32 languages. 
86 of our top 100 accounts now use context control for avoidance with continued momentum. In addition to the strong adoption in the U.S., we've also seen significant growth of contextual avoidance in EMEA and APAC ahead of expectations. In July, we expanded our DSP partnerships for contextual targeting and avoidance with Zeta Global and TEAS, as well as CTV fraud pre-bid with Zeta Global. Also, within Programmatic, we launched our Quality Sync pre-bid solution with Xander's Invest DSP, a Microsoft subsidiary. In social media, our TikTok pre-bid brand safety solution classifies video, image, audio, and text in TikTok speed according to GARM standards. In May, we launched our post-bid viewability and fraud measurement solution for TikTok, which has seen strong customer adoption with over 100 campaigns currently underway. IES offers combined video level pre-bid brand safety in TikTok, plus viewability and IVT measurement globally. Our technology for TikTok is scalable and portable to other platforms. We are soon launching in beta our post-bid brand safety and suitability solution in Twitter's live feed. We expect social media to be a more meaningful contributor to revenue beginning in 2023 as we partner with the leading social media platforms. In CTV, IES provides marketers and publishers with CTV capabilities for media quality measurement, transparent reporting, and contextual solutions. We've recently integrated these capabilities into Publica to help publishers optimize their inventory. In the second quarter, we entered into an agreement with Hearst Television to provide them with our server-side ad insertion SSAI product. Our SSAI essentially stitches a marketer's creative right into the publisher's content stream to make for a seamless viewing experience. To further drive synergies and efficiencies across the combined IES and Publica CTV assets, we fully integrated publisher sales under the leadership of a new CRO at Publica. For marketers, we continue to build on our solutions by providing new ways to target transparent and GARM brand safety inventory, filter out unmeasurable non-compliant traffic, and measure CTV video ad performance. We're thrilled to highlight our growth and expansion into audio and gaming with Spotify, Pandora, and Anzu. Marketers see tremendous opportunity to tap into higher user adoption of these platforms. In audio, we recently announced the first ever global partnership with Spotify to establish the third-party post-bid brand safety solution for podcast advertisers. In July, we announced with Pandora the launch of post-bid verification product for audio measurement and IVT. In gaming, we recently announced our partnership with Israeli-based Anzu, an in-game advertising leader. Through this partnership, IAS enables marketers to monitor the quality of their in-game media investments in mobile gaming environments. We're tremendously excited to lead the innovation in audio and gaming on behalf of marketers and look forward to updating you on our progress. We continue to expand our global reach. 
International revenue represents 31% of total revenue for the second quarter. Building on our leading presence in EMEA and APAC that was established over eight years ago, we are investing in emerging markets, including LATAM and Southeast Asia. We recently announced four new senior appointments to our customer success team in APAC to add commercial expertise and to grow our customer base in the region. We consistently hear from marketers that they choose to partner with IAS in part because of the high level of service we provide in local markets. On last quarter's call, we announced the appointment of Giannis Dosios to the newly created position of Global Chief Commercial Officer. Giannis has been tasked with driving greater alignment between sales, marketing, and product globally. Giannis is off to a strong start since joining in May, and international growth is a top priority. One of our core values at IES is customer obsession. We understand that the last mile of execution matters to customers. How we show up for our customers, our integrity in building enterprise partnerships with brands and platforms, our investments in service and local markets, as well as our ability to set clear expectations and deliver differentiated products on time. We continue to invest in research, insights, and attention metrics to demonstrate the value of investing in high-quality media. We process massive amounts of differentiated data related to ad events every day. There are three data sets that we leverage that are differentiated from our competitors, transparency, cost, and performance. We are connecting the dots between media quality cost of media and business outcomes. By layering these unique findings with our advanced contextual targeting solutions, our customers are able to make smarter decisions that lead to better outcomes and better ROI. In a recent study we launched in partnership with HP, we found that contextually relevant environments drove higher attention and outcomes. When HP's ads ran on contextually relevant pages, it led to a 3% higher attention and a 14% higher purchase attend. According to internal data from June, we found that quality impressions that are in view and brand safe drove a 423% uplift in conversion rate when compared against flagged impressions. Earlier this week, we announced the expansion of our integration with MediaOcean. Agency and brand media buyers use IES's signal dashboard in Prisma, MediaOcean's buyer workflow, can automate campaign creation and benefit from increased efficiencies. As part of the integration, brands and advertisers who use Prisma, IES, and Google Campaign Manager 360 will be able to link campaigns and enable auto-tagging via Google seamlessly. As a substantial portion of IES's customers use MediaOcean, we believe this expansion of capabilities will have an immediate impact on campaign and workflow efficiency for ad buyers across the globe. At IES, we are executing on our business plan, launching differentiated products, and innovating for the future. We achieved strong results in the second quarter. However, we experienced softness in some verticals beginning late in the second quarter 
across geographies related to macroeconomic conditions. We've also experienced delayed starts on recent wins and longer sales cycles on prospective new business related to the current climate. This is consistent with what other companies have discussed recently, and we expect these conditions to continue for the remainder of the year. As a result, we are revising our full-year financial outlook. We believe our model is well-suited to navigate this challenging period. We expect to exceed the rule of 50 for 2022 with continued growth and profitability at scale. We expect to achieve full-year revenue growth of approximately 24%, and we are maintaining full-year adjusted EBITDA margin levels at approximately 31% based on the midpoints of our revised forecast. Despite the current market challenges, we remain excited about our long-term vision. We're still early in on our journey, and we're just getting started. And with that, I'll turn it over to Joe to review the financials. Thanks, Lisa. We delivered strong revenue growth and profitability in the second quarter. As a reminder, IAS partners closely with our advertisers and publishers to build multi-year minimum impression commitments, as well as fixed-fee agreements independent of the media rate. We command premium CPM rates for our solutions, including context control, video, and CTV products. Total revenue increased 34% to $100.3 million, ahead of our prior guidance of 97 to $99 million. Coupled with our more recent wins, we benefited from our loyal customer base across key verticals, including CPG, retail QSR, and finance. Programmatic revenue for the second quarter grew 51% year-over-year. Programmatic represented 57% of total revenue from advertisers. The strong performance in programmatic was attributable to primarily to continued adoption of context control, most notably our contextual avoidance solutions with increased penetration internationally. Context control represented 45% of total programmatic revenue in the second quarter, up from 41% in the first quarter of 2022. Our advertiser direct revenue, which includes open web and social platforms, increased 4% year-over-year. We continue to see impression volumes shift from the open web, where display impressions were lower, to social platforms with increased video adoption. Video commands a pricing premium and accounted for 48% of total advertiser direct revenue, up from 45% in the first quarter of 2022. Social accounted for 43% of advertiser direct revenue in the period, up from 40% in the first quarter. On a combined basis, total revenue from advertisers, including advertiser direct and programmatic revenue, represented 84% of our second quarter revenue. Supply side revenue from publishers increased to $15.8 million. That includes Publica, which is tracking according to plan. Total supply side revenue represented 16% of our second quarter revenue, consistent with the 2022 first quarter. We continue to grow our leading global market presence. International revenue increased 7% in the quarter and represented 31% of total revenue. Our current revenue mix between Americas and rest of the world reflects results for Publica, which has been U.S.-focused to date. We continue to leverage our successful international go-to-market engine and global presence to expand Publica's reach. While our international markets continue to grow, 
softer demand in Advertiser Direct also impacted geographic mix for the period. Total revenue for the Americas was $68.7 million, up 51%. Amea and APAC increased to $23.6 million and $8 million, respectively. Gross margin was 82% compared to 83% last year and slightly ahead of Q1 gross margin of 81%. Operating expenses, excluding stock-based compensation, grew 25% versus our top-line growth of 34%, reflecting our efficient operating model. Total operating expenses for the second quarter of 2022 reflects increased year-over-year sales and marketing costs as we return to more normal business activity and continued hiring with 100 new employees added in the period, as well as higher G&A expenses related to public company costs. We will continue to prioritize our recruiting efforts based on our business needs. Stock-based compensation expense for the period was $10.7 million, in line with our prior expectation of $10 to $11 million. Moving on to profitability and performance metrics. Adjusted EBITDA for the second quarter, which excludes stock-based comp and other one-time items, increased 23% year-over-year to $31.6 million at a 31% margin. We achieved net income for the quarter of $2 million, or one cent per share. This marks our second consecutive quarter of net income profitability. We believe adjusted EBITDA remains the best measure of profitability for the company. Our second quarter net revenue retention, or NRR, was 121%, reflecting continued growth in spend of our top customers. Total advertising customers grew 6% year-over-year to 2,135 advertisers. Our total number of large advertising customers with annual revenue over $200,000 was 173, which reflects several large advertising customers that fell just below the $200,000 trailing 12-month threshold. In terms of our financial condition, we ended the second quarter with cash and equivalents of $77.4 million compared to $73.2 million at December 31st. During the quarter, we reduced our long-term debt by $10 million, lowering our interest expense. As Lisa discussed, we are revising our full-year guidance to reflect macroeconomic headwinds. However, IS remains well-positioned as a growing, profitable industry leader operating at scale. We still expect to maintain adjusted EBITDA margins consistent with our prior outlook, and we expect to exceed the rule of 50 for the full year. For the third quarter ending September 30th, 2022, we expect total revenue in the range of $99 million to $101 million. Adjusted EBITDA for the third quarter is expected in the range of $28 million to $30 million. The full year 2022, we now expect total revenue in the range of $398 million to $402 million. Adjusted EBITDA for 2022 is now expected in the range of $120 million to $124 million. We continue to expect public as a represent approximately 8% of our total forecasted revenue for the full year. We currently expect the rate of year-over-year revenue growth to decelerate as we move into the fourth quarter. This relates to the cumulative effect of our revised expectations for the third quarter based on the factors Lisa outlined, including softness in brand marketer spend in some verticals, 
The lead starts on recent wins and longer sales cycles on prospective new business. Few additional modeling points. Beginning in the second quarter, the impact from foreign currency exchange is now excluded from adjusted EBITDA. In the second quarter, we had a gain of approximately $500,000 related to foreign currency exchange. As global currencies, including the euro and the pound, continue to depreciate against the dollar, we expect a significant negative impact in the coming quarters from foreign exchange based on our international presence. Stock-based compensation expense for the third quarter of 2022 is expected in the range of $13.5 million to $15 million. Full-year stock-based compensation expense is expected in the range of 46 to $50 million. Based on current expectations, we expect dilution to remain at low single-digit levels for the year. Shares outstanding for the third quarter are expected in the range of approximately $156 million to $157 million. We expect full-year shares outstanding in a range of $156.5 million to $157.5 million. I would now like to turn the call back over to Lisa. Thanks, Joe. As this is Joe's last call with IAS, let me take this opportunity to once again thank him for all of his contributions to the company and wish him the best moving forward. We are well underway in our CFO search and look forward to updating you on our progress. In addition, we are delighted to welcome Thomas Joseph to IAS as our Chief Technology Officer. Thomas brings over two decades of tech industry leadership with SiriusXM and Pandora, as well as with Microsoft. He has extensive experience working in media, advertising, and emerging platforms, including gaming. As CTO, Thomas will lead our tech innovation, including our long-term vision for both new and existing products. Joe and I are now ready to take your questions. Operator? At this time, I would like to remind everyone, in order to ask a question, press star and then the number one on your telephone keypad. We'll pause just a moment to compile the Q&A roster. Your first question comes from the line of Brent Thiel. Your line is now open. Is it mostly based on pullbacks that you're seeing right now from advertisers, or is it more just based on concerns of things getting worse? It, it just looks like your guide implies kind of low teens growth for Q4. Um, that's my first question. My second is just around the strength you're seeing in America. It looks like third straight quarter of acceleration in that particular market. What's driving such strength there? It looks like you're kind of outgrowing the industry there. So uh, anything on just why you're seeing such strength in America com compared to the rest of the world? Thanks. Yep. Hi, Brent. Thanks for the questions. Um, you broke up in the, with the first question, so do you mind repeating the question, please? Sure. So the, the first question is just around reasoning for the guide down. Is it, is it what you're seeing right now in the market in terms of pullbacks, or is it just an assumption that things start to get worse in the back half? Sure. Happy to take it. Um, 
So in terms of the guide down, there are a few key areas where we've seen softness. Uh, we started to see it in the back half of Q2 uh, that when we took a look at the trends that we expect this softness to continue uh, into Q4, including lower marketer spend, delayed activation, uh, and longer sales cycles. And then Great. in and terms then, of the yeah. – yeah, sure. Sorry, Brent. And then in terms of the strength that we are seeing in the U.S., as you know, context control is just such an accelerator of our programmatic business, which, again, we're seeing growth of over 50% for the quarter. And it's the contextual avoidance adoption in particular um, where we're just seeing it continue through the roof and then also seeing – Nice progress uh, with contextual targeting adoption in the U.S. Thanks, Brent. Operator, we're ready for the next question, please. Your next question comes from the line of Andrew Merrick with Raymond James. Your line is now open. Hi, guys. Uh, just kind of piggybacking on that last question, um, can you give us a, a little bit deeper update on the targeting adoption for context control? You called out the 86 of the top 100 figure for CC. Is there anything similar that you can give on targeting specifically to get a sense of its scale? And then I have a second question after. Sure. Um, great question, Andrew. So, yes, again, we're seeing such incredible adoption of context control. As you mentioned, 86 of our top 100 accounts are using context control for avoidance. That's up from 80 uh, last quarter. And then also we are starting to see a meaningful uptick in the number of targeting customers. We're actually seeing 25% increase uh, quarter over quarter. We're also starting to see nice increase in the size of the deals uh, going into six-figure uh, deals. So, again, we're just thrilled with the overall adoption that we're seeing in avoidance both in the U.S. and in international markets and we're seeing just increasing demand uh, and adoption with contextual targeting in the U.S. in particular. And I wanted to drill down a little bit on the decline in the number of large customers. So you called out a couple of factors, including a few that fell just below the 200K threshold and the longer sales cycles and things like that. But I guess, is there any way to quantify how much of that decline was due to spend pullbacks as opposed to some of the little shifts in, in things that, you know, where customers might be close to that large customer threshold? Thank you. Yeah, great question. So, actually, when we took a look at the data, of it was just a handful of um, large advertisers that dipped just below the 200,000 threshold. Uh, 
And as previously noted, we didn't lose any of the accounts. So just to quantify it for you, it was like a couple thousand dollars uh, per account, uh, not that significant. And then the other thing that I think is important to point out is that it's a trailing 12-month metric. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Your next question comes from Mark Mahaney with Evercore. Your line is now open. Okay, thanks. Hey, uh, Lisa, I wondered if you could give us some um, context about uh, digital advertising in a recession. You know, you've gone through a couple of these cycles, and uh, your thoughts on uh, whether this time it's different uh, just because uh, digital advertising is so much bigger as a percentage of overall advertising. If you were to step back and say which parts of digital advertising could be most would be most pressured in a, in a material recession environment and which would be most resilient, uh, how would you answer that? Thank you. Yeah, great question, um, Mark. And you're you're almost dating me because I've been through uh, two soft uh, markets, two soft economies uh, prior to IES. Uh, so I have a bit of experience in terms of navigating soft markets and what mar how marketers respond. And a couple things about um, soft markets and marketers is they care even more about ROI, the quality of media the transparency in understanding where their investments in advertising is going, right? Every dollar matters even more to marketers. So ROI matters, um, metrics matter, and again, understanding their return on investment. And I'm actually feeling really good about all of the investments we're making in outcomes right now, and also things like supply path optimization and transparency with supply path. And then I would say the second thing that really matters to marketers in, in soft economies is service. And service is an area where we have invested heavily over the last 12 to 18 months, in particular in international markets. And that's why we're seeing really nice growth uh, in, the, in the international markets. And then in terms of verticals um, and which verticals were seeing greater impact. As we mentioned in our last quarterly call, it was automotive, a little bit of tech telco, in EMEA in particular. But what we're noticing with some of the vertical softness, it's advertisers within the verticals depending on what their product offerings are. So again, we're staying really close to the data trends. We're monitoring the data also. I personally spend a lot of time uh, with CMOs, listening to customers, listening to their feedback, and also just hearing from them what they're seeing moving forward. So we're monitoring it very closely. Thank you, Lisa. Great, thanks, Mark. Your next question comes from the line of Mark Keeley with Stifle. Your line is now open. Hey, great. Thank you. Um, a couple quick ones, just piggybacking off that last one. Um, you know, you, you talked about uh, social taking some share from open web as of late, um, you know, especially video. I think you highlighted that. And if I look at someone like a meta, you know, they're seeing um, impression growth, growth 
uh, offset by price declines, you know, given the softer macro environment, um, you know, and given your fixed price business model, I would expect that to be, you know, a pretty decent environment for uh, for your business. I guess is that something that uh, you know you take into consideration as we look out for the for the remainder of the year, or or maybe that's just a trend that you expect to um, not reverse, but maybe be less pronounced going forward. That's the first question. Uh, and then second, last night, um, you know, your main competitor talked about some pretty healthy win rates. Um, would love to get your thoughts on on your view of the competitive environment right now. Thank you. Yeah, sure. So, Joe, do you want to take the first question? Thanks, Mark. Yeah, thanks, Lisa. Hey, Mark. Um, so on, on social now, you know, we called out that social is making up 43% of our advertiser direct up from 40%. So that continues to scale. Uh, marketers continue to, you know, seek out the walled gardens, especially where we're poised with a higher price CPM, consuming dis uh, moving to video from display as well. So there's a lot of opportunities, and you can see, you know, especially with our recent announcements and moving with TikTok and all of the opportunities ahead of us. So we, we see pricing opportunity as well as volumes on the social platforms. Yeah, great. And then uh, in terms of win rates, so I could not be prouder of the team and the wins that we're putting on the board. I know previously in the call we called out a few of these iconic brands like Red Bull and LinkedIn, just love seeing those wins. In terms of win rates for the quarter, we are seeing an uptick in win rates from Q1 to Q2. It's now slightly above 80%, and these wins are happening uh, both in the U.S. Uh, and internationally. And the other thing I actually think is important to call out is that we are dominating internationally with our win rates. Granted, some of these RFPs in some of the smaller emerging markets, there's smaller RFPs, but the local teams uh, that are on the ground, they're doing a great job um, competing and winning uh, the RFPs. And then uh, your second question about the win rates is in terms of what are we seeing in the marketplace in terms of um, competing and, and winning these RFPs. So, Something we are seeing with marketers, and again, I think this is tied to um, the macroeconomic environment, is marketers, they're doing serious due diligence uh, in their RFI, RFP processes. We're seeing both tech diligence, uh, better understanding the service and support, the, the product capability, functionality, and I would also say just overall global footprint and presence. So love seeing the diligence that the marketers are doing and the time they're taking to really understand IAS's solutions and capabilities and how we stack up to our competition. All right. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Ramio Linshaw with Barclays. Your line is now open. Hey, this is Frank on Verimo. Thanks for my question. On the macro, I want to ask, how are you seeing the weakness that expands exactly? Is this more current customers with, uh, with lower volumes on the platform or customers moving to premium products less? And additionally, with the comments on contextual, do you expect Google's decision to delay cookie deprecation to impact the growth path here at all? Thank you. Yeah, great question, Frank. So um, 
I'll take I'll take both of them actually. So in terms of some of the reasons why we are seeing the H2 macro um, economic trends is, as I mentioned before, a few things. Q1, you might remember in our last call, we talked about seeing some softness in EMEA, certain verticals, seeing softness there. And when we really started um, watching the trends during Q2, towards the end of Q2, is when we started experiencing additional softness in other verticals and also markets related to the macroeconomic environment. In terms of why lower marketer spend, delayed activation, and longer sales cycle, and we do expect the slowdown to be more impactful in Q4 as there's a cumulative effect as we move through the year. That combined with voice of the customer, we're customer obsessed at IAS and we're in close contact with our brand partners, with the major agencies, and listening in to what they're seeing and what they're expecting. Um, and it's a combination of both the trends, the voice of the customer. But as we said before, we expect to achieve solid growth and profitability in 2022. And then we continue to invest in innovation, and we position IES for long-term success. Oh, and then the second question, uh, in terms of Google's uh, deferral of the cookie deprecation uh, into uh, second half of 2024, a uh, few things what it means for IES and our business. First off, it elevates awareness of the shift that's happening, the shift where um, we're moving away from audience-based targeting to contextual targeting. It also gives marketers and agencies a longer runway uh, to plan for this shift. We're continuing to tell our story of context control I spoke to before, just the incredible adoption we're seeing both with avoidance and now seeing nice uptick with demand for contextual targeting. Um, and then we are pivoting to targeting. I know I've spoken in the past about our focus on go-to-market and investing in training for our sales team to really be able to tell a super tight narrative around our contextual targeting solution. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Your next question comes from Jason Helfenstein with Oppenheimer. Your line is now open. Um, hey, so um, two questions. Um, first, kind of a two-part. So when you think about client renewals and, and negotiations, Lisa, can you think of any scenario where, like, clients would push you for lower CPMs um, upon renewals? And, and kind of also tying to that, like, is the risk as we move into next year that just certain new clients, you know, just delay signing and just kind of hurting visibility around next year? And just how do you think about that? And then the second um, you know, is there any areas where, you know, effectively, you know, you know, we, we, the company wants to be meaningfully bigger, obviously, um, video, social, um, but just maybe kind of talk about kind of feet on the ground, how, how you kind of actually push some of those, you know, to be a bigger part of the mix. Okay, great. Thanks, Jason. Um, so I'll take those questions in order. So, Let's uh, start first about renewals and lower CPMs. And 
The good news is is that over 90% of our renewals are evergreen, and um, it's a testament to the stickiness of our business, the loyalty of our customers, and our price has been holding, and uh, we expect that our price will continue to hold. Um, and then in terms of new clients delaying timing, uh, that's something we don't anticipate right now is signing up new clients uh, and having them activate, especially as we're seeing um, ongoing adoption of programmatic and that our programmatic revenue continues to grow quarter over quarter. You might remember programmatic revenue. Actually, it's a flip of a switch, and it's much um, easier uh, to activate. Did that answer your questions, Jason? That answers the first one, and then kind of the second, kind of how, how you're ramping some of the, you know, more higher growth aspirational areas. Oh, got it. Okay. So, yeah, another thing that we're very focused on is creating new TAMs in the marketplace. So we're thrilled with the announcements in Q2 of some of these strategic partnerships uh, that we announced, uh, several of them are first to market. So in the audio space, you know, if you take a look at podcast advertising uh, and that marketplace, it surpassed a billion dollars in the U.S. in 2022. And there's just so much demand for verification within podcast advertising and announcing both our partnership with Spotify, which is a first-ever brand safety solution that we'll be launching. In addition to that, the partnership with Pandora, that creates an entirely new TAM, also extends our verification solutions into a new area that's seeing high, high user engagement, high adoption. And then the second new TAM for us is the announcement of Anzoom, which is a leading in-game advertising leader. Again, it helps advertisers better monitor their in-game media investments. Um, I have to say, as I mentioned before, I spent a lot of time with CMOs and marketers, and they were just so excited to see that we're expanding both in gaming and in audio. Um, so we can't wait to launch those solutions, and we're going to continue to listen to our customer feedback and continue to hear from them where are the areas that they want us to expand. And then in terms of ramping and higher growth, everything that we do at IES is with an eye on global, repeatable, scalable. As you know, many of our strategic global accounts, they're Fortune 500 blue chip brands, and they really expect that we're able to offer all of our products and services anywhere globally. So we'll continue to look for new TAMs and new opportunities for our customers um, and continue to sign exciting partnerships like the ones I just mentioned. Thank you. Thanks, Jason. This concludes the Q&A portion of the call. I'd, like, I'd now like to turn the call back to Lisa for any concluding comments. Okay, thanks again, everyone, for joining us on today's call. We reported strong Q2 results, and despite the macroeconomic environment, we expect to deliver solid growth and profitability for the full year.
Trust is at the core of what we do, and marketers look to IES as an independent provider to ensure the quality of their media and enable targeted outcomes and ROI. We look forward to updating you on our progress. This concludes today's call. Y'all may now disconnect.